broaden our minds. Lawrence. From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to episode 121 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. I'm your host Dan. And I'm Brendan. And Brendan, we have a wonderful event to talk about. We do. We went to the Spring Rubicon this last weekend, which is a solid... 20 to 15 minutes from our houses, respectively. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Put on by the folks at the Dias Cast and hosted at the Hobby Nights Game Store up in West Bend. Yep. So both you and I went to that. And both you and I, for the first time ever, finished <laughs> with the exact same record, which for listeners means either one of two things Dan finished four and one, or I finished two and three. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you figure that out. Yeah, we're gonna. That's gonna be a teaser right there. We're gonna. We're gonna yeah. see how that worked out. All right, it's great. It reveals itself in game three. Yes. <laughs> That's it, really. We're going to talk about that. We've got a few other things to go through, as always. But besides that, we're going to move right into Whispers from the Warp. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Wow, Brendan and Dan Hobby, I think we're coming up pretty empty, yeah? Yeah, I, I did some stuff for the Skaven for the Rubicon, but not much. There wasn't a paint requirement, so I had some other things that needed to take priorities. I'll finish the painting requirement for the Skaven later. You've got a couple months left um, yet. Yeah, then, but next up for me is working on whatever we settle on for me for Kansas City Open. So. Right. But yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> and, the hobby section. And for me, zip. Nothing. I have. This is going to be the fastest episode we've ever done. Because <laughs> I had more on my Celestin. I got other things going on. And, you know, it's that whole personal obligations and life and all those things. And, yeah, that's it for hobby. Exciting stuff. Yeah. As far as the GW previews that we got, do you want to talk about a few things or the things that you found of interest? Sure. The 10th edition box got previewed for 40K. Yeah. Space Marines. Cool. Put that over here. <laughs> some really cool Tyranid models. Oh, man. Like, and like some of them are, I think, like really easily like Nurglified. I mm. think there's some of them that can be brought into AOS without too, too much work oh, and yeah. some creative conversions. Just some gorgeous models. Lots of brains. Lots of brains. <laughs> when I looked at those things. Yeah. Some nice <clears throat> heresy heroes. We got a plastic knight. Lancer guy, yeah. investigator, whatever it is, the one with the energy shield and the spear. Oh yeah, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's Serastus, a knight Serastus. Serastus. That's yeah. Him, yeah, plastic. That's the one in, I used to have. In plastic. Yep. That's pretty cool. Warcry. We've got the Flesh Eater Quartz band. That was pretty neat looking. We got a preview of the AOS release schedule, mm-hmm, so which Dawn, was neat. Yeah. So Dawnbringer is going to be the Broken Realms set. Mm-hmm. And Cities is going to have all this other stuff. And we got to see some of the new models, which are mm-hmm. more traditional, I would say, like, fantasy knights. That was pretty cool. And speaking of traditional fantasy knights, Tomb King and Bretonian Foot Heroes got announced. Some real interesting lackluster stuff from the Old World <laughs> announcement. Sure. Where there's going to be a bunch of resin models, too. There's not going to be a quote-unquote traditional army box in the sense mm. of, like, what they explain, like, it doesn't include, like, boards and maps and stuff like that. And this I, is for Old World. For Old World. Okay. I, 
my understanding is they're going to have a Age of Darkness style box release, which oh. I would call an army box, mm-hmm. but apparently they're not calling it that. <laughs> so whatever, I guess. Yeah. Sure. On the Age of Sigmar side, we got to see a bunch of foot heroes. Yeah. That are going to be associated with more mercenary warbands, which yep. is pretty neat. Some of the foot heroes themselves are super cool looking. Yep. Biggest announcement, though, for the AOS stuff was the Maw Grunta, in my mind. Yeah, the, the Mega Pig. The Mega Pig. <laughs> Finally, the long-awaited Mega Boss on... We asked for Gore Grunta. Right. Which I would have been fine with, right? Sure. Like, even if it was just like a slightly bigger one. It's on a big chariot-sized base. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. He's got, like, brutes on the side with, like, their, like, their axes ready it's to like go. It's like a sidecar kind of thing. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it looks great. It's yeah. fun. Super cool model. Yes. Just, just, Absolutely. Yeah, just exciting. Very sorry for Flesh Eater Quartz players. I don't know when you get your book. Yeah, exactly. But the back half of the year is going to be, you know, fast with Dawnbringer book yeah. releases for us. So that means... Fourth edition is going to be next summer. Yep. That's the reasonable assumption here. but Based on history. Yes. That, yeah. Makes sense. So. Yep. Very cool. I'm not upset. I haven't really enjoyed third edition very much, but that's its own thing. There's just some cool stuff. Nothing that, like, I'm losing my mind over, but, mm-hmm. you know, just some cool models, some cool things that are just on their way. Good stuff, man. Thank you for that. Pre-orders. The only thing we have is World Eaters, Combat Patrol. Exciting stuff for 40K. Drops, there's really nothing new. Anyway, as I look through everything, there's just nothing that hasn't been there already. So all that stuff is, again, coming up empty. Games played other than Sigmar. So, Dr. Alex, I'm just going to tell you right now (laughs) that if this podcast does not get edited this week, it is your fault. I say this because Alex and I were standing talking at one of the breaks during Rubicon. He said, hey, Dan, have you heard about this Age of Wonders 4 thing? Like, no, I have, he goes, it's kind of like a sieve thing, but it's more of a fantasy setting and pretty interesting. And, and like, okay, cool, I'll check it out. So I come home Sunday and I checked out a couple of YouTube videos and I'm going, whoa, that looks really cool. And so I, it went up today. And of course, for the first, like, the servers were just overwhelmed with downloads from Steam. <laughs> so, but I got it. And, you know, I just played with it for just a, short while but it seems like it'll be very very interesting really cool mechanics the amount of customization in this game if you decide on it is absolutely insane i don't know that i'm going to go there it looks like there's plenty of options without that but yeah thanks alex appreciate it buddy Uh, (laughs) we'll see how disciplined i can be i gotta get my computer upgrade total Uh, war doesn't run anywhere near as well as i'd like it to that's not good good i mean I don't get stuck playing it for, you know, right. a zillion hours as a retired person. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Hold on, what are we talking mm. about? Yeah. Mm. Well, how about you, man? Anything? I've been continuing to play Advance Wars 1 and 2. Yeah. I'm a special brand of idiot where I finished Advance <laughs> Wars 1, and I meant to start a save file of Advance Wars 2. When you bought the game, like, you can play both. You basically bought the two games together for right. $60. Yeah. And so I went to go start what I thought was Advance Wars 2, and I'm playing it, and I'm in the intro missions, and I'm like, wow, this seems like really similar to the intro mission for Advance Wars 1. I was like, but it's way harder. <laughs> but I lost like the first mission, and I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, it's, 
I was like, I don't remember Advance Wars 2 being like that much harder than 1. Yeah. And you're like, so I play the second mission. I was like, wow, this mission also seems very familiar, but also much harder. I was like, wow, Advance Wars 2 is so much more difficult. And then I get to the third game, and it's exactly the same as the third mission from Advance Wars 1. Ooh. But I was playing on the challenge campaign. Oh. So, I was like, so you can't unlock the hard mode until you complete the campaign the first time. I hadn't backed all the way out to select Advance Wars 2. Okay. I had started a new file in one in the challenge mode. Okay. All right. Lesson learned. Yeah. But yeah. now I'm playing two right now, all right. and I'm a good chunk of the way through that. And you're enjoying it just as much. Oh, my goodness. It's, you know, I played this game when I was a teenager. Like, yeah. it's, it's the same game. It's so much fun. Great. Good stuff. And uh, save more games where we're talking about Rubicon. There we are. Events, we have the KC Open, which is a month away for you. You talked about that. Not much time left. Meltdown. Probably pick out what I'm going to play. I think that would be a great idea four weeks out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not skeeping, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. And then we have Meltdown, Nashcon, Siege World, and Dragonfall in early October. Yep. So all those things are lined up, and that's it for events. Woof. Man, we're just flying. I feel like I missed something, you know, for some reason. Yeah, there's normally a, a very large book yeah. in front of us. Yeah, normally. All right, with that, we are moving right on to Emperor Lies to talk about Spring Rubicon 2023. Man, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. All right, we are back. We're going to talk about Spring Rubicon 2023. From my perspective, it's kind of a gathering of heroes. It sounds kind of corny, but man, a lot of it was social for me you know we started out friday evening hanging out you were generous enough to host both nights yeah both yeah. nights but friday night we had waffle night and dave made the waffles yep. which was great and there was about a dozen people hanging out and just talking and seeing each other and just catching up with things and it was fabulous a great great start to the weekend and again it was really cool that we had a place to gather brendan that was really really neat and the one thing that precipitated from our friday evening hanging out was nick true suggested <laughs> the uh, yes the player draft and we said, what are you talking about? He goes, I want to gamble on this tournament we went. It was crazy. What? So what he explained to us was we did a effectively fantasy draft hmm? of the players at the tournaments. Yeah. So there were 10 of us that were participating. It was a 40-person event. Yeah. So everybody got four players that couldn't be themselves. Yes. And the team with the highest combined battle point score at the mm -hmm. end of the event was going to be the winner. And the fun part... I thought was that we didn't know two-thirds of these people. We had no idea who they were or how they played or anything else. And it's like, that name. <laughs> like, we started, and Alex was all upset because we had four Alexes on the list. And he was upset because he couldn't get all four Alexes. Yeah, he wanted to draft an all-Alex team. Yeah, it was a really fun idea. And it was really cool because one of the people I picked was, you know, Isaiah Ramchek. Mm -hmm. And it was so fun because every game he would come up and he would go, Dan... I got points. I got, got points for the points. team. In game two, every game four, he was over there. And it was just great to see him so into it. And it was really, really fun. Yeah, so it turned out that I made a couple of good picks, obviously, because I did win the draft, which was awesome, and shared some wealth with him because he was 
so interested. Use your big point scorer. <laughs> Besides that, yeah, that was fun and a great idea to kind of follow along. All the conversations at one point came back to that during lunch and breaks and everything else that yeah, how's evening. How's your team doing? Yeah, <laughs> very <Man>. very cool. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> All right, so that was Friday evening, and that was before we even rolled any dice. Yeah. So Saturday we arrived on site. And it was at Hobby Nights, as you said, up in West Bend. Great venue. Man, there were plenty of tables, plenty of room between the tables. Sean and Nick, you know, our friends from Dias Cast were running it. I thought they did an exceptional job of getting everything done, getting all the scenery set up and, you know, all the things that needed to be done for a tournament. It was very... Very well organized. Yeah, just so well done. And they were very active at moving around the venue you know while we were playing and answering questions and making sure that stuff got done right away you know in terms of pairings and all that stuff everything was right on time and of course that makes it such a more enjoyable event because you don't have to worry about those things or yeah, think just, about them it just all gets done it's on autopilot did you have any other thoughts on venue or anything else as far as like the pack goes is pretty straightforward there was no uh, paint requirement as part of it and then as far as like the way that the scoring all broke out, it was it was just did you win or lose your game? How many battle taxes did you score? Did you get your grand strat? How many you know victory points did you achieve in the game? That was it, right? There's no complex bookkeeping. It's just no. Nope. This is what it was. Yeah. So let's move on to game one. Why don't you talk about your game one, Brendan? Yep. I'll start my game one by talking about what my list was. So I is paying off my rantathon commitments. Yes. And I am playing Skaven, and I played Clan Scryer one drop with uh, Arch Warlock General who had Master of Magic and Esoteric or Warpstone Generator, which gave him an extra Warpstone token every battle round. More and more Warp Power. A Warlock Engineer with more and more Warp Power. And a Warlock Bombardier who I gave Levitate. Then two units of Sticks Storm Friends, a unit of 20 Clan Rats, and a Warp Lightning Cannon. All battle regimented. Pretty straightforward. Yep. The plan is to... Shoot, shoot, and shoot again. <laughs> uh, game one was uh, Jaws of Gal- Galley, where I was playing Austin Timish and his Gloomspite Gits. Mm. And Austin made several key critical and fundamental mistakes in that game, which ultimately cost him the game. The first of which was in Battle Round 2. He forgot to try and roll for the 5-up ward from the Sneaky Snufflers onto his Mangler Squig. Oh, yeah. And launched it into combat where he was promptly eviscerated mm. by a combination of Warlock Engineer and Storm Fiends and more Storm Fiends in combat, mind you. Ooh. His biggest mistake, though, in my mind was feeding me one unit at a time, basically, oh. which allowed me to just bring my firepower to bear just over the course of the game. He didn't force you to make any choices, really. Not especially. What really helped was I landed a charge through the gnaw hole against his squig boss. Uh, Squig bosses are four wounds. Warlock bombardiers are five, which means that they count for two versus one on the objective. He abandoned the objective that was in his territory, and I used the gnaw hole to go snag it. Yeah. I would have been more patient if I was him and tried to attack me more collectively. Okay. Basically, me getting to only have to deal with one, one and a half units at a time made my target priority very straightforward and allowed me to focus fire on things and just... Even with him bringing stuff back, it didn't matter. Yeah, it didn't matter. And quite frankly, I, I basically didn't move all game. Mm. You know, I teleported my Warp Lightning Cannon to the top of the board, 
teleported a guy over here, mm. teleported a guy over there, teleported him back. I mean, my Storm Fiends just basically sat in the corner all game. Sure. So game one, I ended up getting a major victory. Great. That's awesome. My list was, yeah, I played my Sylvaneth. My Glade was Oakenbrow because I did have an, a Tree Lord Ancient and Durthu. My grand strategy was take what's there, so I had to have some units in my enemy's territory. My Triumph was Inspired, so get that plus one on the wound for Durthu when he needed it. I had a Branch Witch, which had Regrowth and Tunnel Master. Drycha, which had Regrowth, and Durthu had the Gladius. The Ancient had the Vestral Gem and Throne of Vines, which actually, in a couple of games, really allowed the Ancient to last more than one combat round, which... Paid off. And then he had the War Song with Spell Singer, and the spell was Tree Song. I had a unit of 20 and a unit of 10 Dryads. Five Tree Rebs. I had Cogs and the Spite Swarm Hive. And that's about it. My season was Everdusk, so that I could get those Exploding Sixes, which it was okay. It was mixed result. There are a few games where it paid off and some where it just did nothing, obviously, because I didn't roll sixes. So, you know, kind of roll the dice as it were. That's the way it goes. With that. Yeah, absolutely. So that was my list. And my first opponent was Russell. And he took, he had the shooty Eidolon and the spellcasting Eidolon. So we had both of them. Double Eidolon. Yep. Soul Scryer. Tidecaster, three units of 10 Reavers, which are the shooty ones, two units of three Eels, Purple Sun, and Gnashing Jaws. That was his list. Interesting, interesting game because I was surprised that he wasn't a little more aggressive. I thought he might have been based on what he had. He garrisoned one unit of Reavers in one of his ships because he actually had two ships out uh, during the game. Although he did put two units of Reavers and his punchy Eidolon off the board, which turned out to be okay. I was quite concerned about that and <laughs> it turned out all right. I got pretty aggressive with Durthu and dropped the tree way back by the spellcasting Eidolon and was hoping for great things because he could pretty easily, if everything went well, he could kill it. And of course I rolled in so I thought it was doing in great shape, but he had a, mi- I don't know how, but I think he had a minus one to hit. So I ended up being threes and twos, which was still okay. Cause I think I rolled like six attacks. Well, Six dice, Nini threes, I rolled five ones and twos. <laughs> One got through, hooray! Mm. And, you know, I did six damage, hooray, great. And then Durthu retreated, and <laughs> mission not accomplished, right? I didn't start out by saying that was the second turn. The first turn, first turn, <laughs> oh my god. He went to do his move, you know, and get his plus three charge. I rolled a one on the hive, first thing. So Durthu was just like, okay, I'm staying here, right? And second turn, the other thing that he did was he dropped, now that Durthu had retreated back, right? He dropped his Eidolon right outside of range from Durthu and two units of Reavers, all on my left-hand side. And he charged Durthu with his Eidolon. That did not go well with him. It was so great. It was such vindication for a Durthu Whiffin. Man, because I had Everdust, so I had Exploding Sixes, and I got plus one attack, and I rolled my Gladius. Also, the other thing I got off was Ground Shaker. That was very important, obviously, since she charged me. It did work that time, and I went first, and boom, popped Zydalon. And then I was just looking over at those 20 Reavers going, oh, God, they're going to shoot me off the board, right? They both shot at Durthu, and they did, like, I think four or five wounds. Both units totally laid into him, and he was like, yeah, okay. It's like pulling little, you know, pins out of his bark. He was cool. <laughs> and then he 
ran into one, you know, he got into one of them because he kept them close. He didn't move them away and just wiped out one of them. And then I got Dreicha over to the other one and shot the other one up. So basically at that point, he had one Eidolon and a couple units of eels. Yeah, so it went well. As always, when I see an Eidolonethalist, a little bit nervous, you know, and I was hoping it wouldn't go much past turn three because that turn three thing where he's always striking first, I have to get, you know, Ground Shaker's not going to do me much good. Yeah. Because it's just going to make it even, right? Good game. And he played a great game. Um, great opponent. Fun to get to know. And the funny thing was, he never brought Purple Sun out. I was kind of surprised about that. He did bring Gnashing Jaws out, which was just annoying. But otherwise... I know, man. Uh, I can do a lot of damage to your Well, stuff. the thing was, he was hitting units that had like a movement of nine. I think he tried it on Drycha. But he rolled like a nine or a ten, so mm-hmm. it didn't do anything. It did like one or two wounds because the his roll almost perfectly matched my movement. So nope, that didn't work out. Fair enough. But good game, and it was nice to get that win at the top of the day. How about your game two? So game two, I was playing Mike Drafke and his Blessed Sons Nurgle. He had a Lord of Plagues. He had Gut Rot Spume. He had a Ropbringer Sorcerer, a unit of six Plague Drones, a unit of twenty Plague Bearers, a unit of ten Blight Kings. Ooh. Oh, uh, a unit of the Warcry, Nurgle guys, mm-hmm. and then a Plague Claw Catapults. All right, to start the game, I power up one of my unit of Storm Fiends. I say, I'm going to go do some damage to, to those drones, because they're going to be the thing that causes me a problem. Kill four and change. Nice. Feeling well, pretty good. Good start. Hold one, hold two, hold more. Solid. Got my battle tactic. Awesome. Bottom of one, he goes, extra command point. I'm going to rally the Plague Drones. Remember, I've killed four of them. Rolls four dice. Three sixes. Oh! And, oh, and I just, go, oh. well, with the FAQ, you can only bring two of them back. Uh, <laughs> but I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, what the heck? <laughs> and so that was largely emblematic of how the rest of this game is going to go, where my dice were fine, and his dice were just a little bit hotter. <laughs> and he brings up some Blight Kings you know, later in the game, because I was, I was trying to stay away from them as much as possible. And I land, like, a, a solid redeploy. I roll, like, a 5 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Ends up being, like, a 10-inch charge. Rolls an 11. Oh, just like, Brett. And, you know, so I can't yeah. unleash hell because I used redeploy. <laughs> yeah. And he just gets in and just beats up my Storm Fiends, and it's just... I keep it as close for as long as I can, but, you know, the game gets away from me and bottom of four, and that ends up being that. This is the first game, though, where I find, you know, what is going to be a consistent problem for me throughout the rest of the weekend, which is I really struggled to get both of my units of Storm Fiends in a place to have them both function effectively at the same time. Oh. It felt like a lot of times I was using one and then the other, but very rarely both. Okay. And part of this one was the terrain. We had this big, huge piece that I couldn't really do very much with. So getting both of my units kind of in the right place, I really struggled with that. So I ended up losing game two, but I did everything I could to, to keep it close, but the Nurgle stuff was just too tough. Sure. Just a little too Those tough for me. five up wards just... Yeah. The five up wards, the rallies, he had some solid saves going, some solid attack dice, mm-hmm. like, you know, just wasn't there for me. Okay. So my second game was against our friend Travis, who came up from central Illinois. Quite a drive for him, but great to meet him. As always, it's fun to have somebody hit, you know, come up and say, hey, love the show. And he's like, oh, great. Cool. <laughs> That's always fun. He had Blades of Corn. Oh, 
my gosh, I'm so surprised. <laughs> he had a blood secretor. He had a blood thirster. Two slaughter priests, uh, Corgus Cull, Boo Hiss. Uh, there's a story that goes with that. And then he had a ritualist, which we had talked about. We talked about the yeah. book and how good they were. Ritualists are quite good. Uh, yep. He had 20 blood warriors, a unit of 20, and a unit of 10 blood reavers. He had the skulls, uh, an altar, of course. And then he had three skull crushers. He had Garrick's reavers and three Magoras fiends. We started off and... I wanted to try to take out his bodies, you know, get that done because of the way the scenario worked, the battle plan, you're controlled by board quarters. Durthu did some work. First turn, he went in. Of course, he killed 10 blood reavers. Ooh, whoa. But he also destroyed the altar, which was cool. I put him right in the right spot so he could do his monstrous action. Boom blew that up, which was very useful because it kind of neutralized a lot of things going on in that part of the board and then killed the Reavers. Great, wonderful. It's all good stuff. And he's moving actually from his right to left, uh, trying to take the second quarter, you know, in his back half of the board. And he kind of was swinging around those, the unit of 20 Reavers and 20 Warriors. And then he had the, of course, Bloodthirster there. I made the mistake of overcommitting uh, Drycha, of course, uh, trying to do something with her that didn't make any sense. Of course, she can only strike and fade one unit, so it had to be Durthu, and that left her out in the open, and she just got swamped. She was gone. Boo hiss. A great start, Dan. The next turn, then, I got into his 20 Blood Reaver unit, killed it, whole thing, so 30 miles removed. Nice. Good. Good stuff. Durthu's just about paid for himself now. Then the bad stuff started happening. I put Durthu the third turn, trying to get the bloodthirster and he has a good chance to kill the bloodthirster well travis is like yeah, he has a minus one to hit I'm like oh great okay i charged and of course he has the artifact that gives him strike first always and i had to get ground shaker off and i did not so that means i took a whole round of swinging from the bloodthirster i was down to like four wounds which was fine because i'm oak and brow right i still so i swing back again and i was on like twos and threes i think and of course, five dice, six dice, whatever it was, I can't quite remember. I rolled like four or five ones and twos. Okay, fine. And then I came back home. And I realized because he was down to four wounds, it's like, I can't do that to that bloodthirster again. I can't, because I can't afford to miss that. Yeah, you can't take ground sugar again. Yeah. yeah, I can't do that. So now I'm thinking, okay, where else does he go? What else does he do? At this point, my ancient had. Here's a tip, listeners. If you see a model in your enemy's army that has an axe as big as the model is, right, you probably should ask what the axe does. So Corgus calls axe if he does any damage. Just reviewed this book. (laughs) Yes. Like three weeks ago. I know, I know. If he does any damage and he rolls a five or a six, your model goes away. So I had a perfectly healthy Tree Lord Ancient charge Corgus Cull, thinking... I can take him down. Well, he didn't. And guess what? Boom. 14 wounds, gone off the board. Drychu was gone. I had Durthu. He still had 20 blood warriors. He still had a bloodthirster. And he had that one quarter just occupied by all those goofy little units, like the five reavers. And he had a hound on there. And he had a couple other things. And there was two quarters that were totally out of my control. There's no way I could have gotten them. It was just looking pretty grim. Even if I had gotten Durthu in there and did some really solid work with him on those Blood Warriors, with a three-up save, if he had... The murder rolls you were going to take back were going to be bad news. Yeah, absolutely. That was kind of the way that went. 
I lost. Not very close either. So well done, Travis. I got the field corn again. It was pretty impressive. I mean, he did some tricks too. You needed some corn tricks and stuff. But overall, it was just too much. I couldn't get the damage where I needed it. And if I had taken out that Bloodthirster, I think that might have made quite a difference for me because then I had enough still critical mass that I could have retaken, you know, his home quarter. I think we would have kind of circled each other and kept the game closer. Overall, great game, great player. And yeah, so it was all good. And then we had game three. Yep, so game three, we're both one and one. I play Alex Milonis and his Slaves of Darkness oh. Ravagers list, which is Archeon, a Chaos Sorcerer Lord with the Idolater Lord trait, mm-hmm. a unit of five knights who were Nurgle, a unit of ten chosen who were Slanesh with the Slanesh banner, and two units of Splintered Fang. So I give Alex top of one, and he chooses to immediately use the Archeon's eye ability and if we find out you know the first actual dice roll of the game that I'm gonna get a double turn and I'm thinking nice and so he plays very defensively I go out I I go do some damage to his unit of knights I do some damage to his chosen I get the double turn I wipe the unit of knights I do some more damage to the chosen oh, okay not enough damage though unfortunately because oh. Archeon and the chosen come back. Archeon doesn't really get into, you know, anything meaningful. He beats up on some clan rats. But the Chosen get in and kill three Storm Friends. Oh. Storm Fiends have a bravery of six. Yes. I don't, I don't know if you know that. Yes. Uh, yes. Archeon has an ability where enemy units within 12 inches cannot use Rally or Inspiring Presence. Mm-hmm. I rolled a six on my Battle Shock and lost the hmm. remaining three Storm Fiends. Yeah. <sighs> which, for those of you who don't know, is what we in the business call bad. <laughs> Um, it's half your army, essentially. So then I get doubled. Oh, jeez. And he beats up on my other unit of Storm Fiends, but does not kill them, and I do not battle shock off. But I Ugh. then go into survival mode, where I try and get them away, and I try and go take his objective. I'm scrambling for points at yeah, this yeah. point. Like, yeah. I took a big lead early, and like I'm like, okay, like maybe I can hang on to this. If I can get his Sorcerer Lord, you know, I can protect my Warlock Bombardier and get my Grand Strat, and like I can at least make it close if I if I can't win it. And so, you know, I'm basically out of battle tactics I can achieve. And so I go, all right, the Arch Warlock is gonna, you know, kill your Chaos Sorcerer Lord. Yeah, Kind of a fighty hero. Yeah, sure. You know, I beef him up. I, I charge him up. I charge him in the Sorcerer Lord. Yeah. I do some damage, but you know, with my charged up sword, I end up rolling enough ones where I kill myself. But Heart of Girth Rage, <laughs> I stand back up. <laughs> right. I unfortunately didn't kill the Chaos Sorcerer Lord, and the Chaos Sorcerer Lord hits me on the head and kills my Arch Warlock. <laughs> And then to close the game, oh my god! Alex and I are talking about you know like you know we gotta get a battle tactic here, and you know there's only one that he can potentially get that involves killing my warlock bombardier Galatian champion who's like way 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 over there. Mm-hmm. And him and I are talking about it, and we're like, okay, the way that this is gonna work is this guy's gonna have to roll a six to get in range. You'll auto six your splintered fang. And so the Sorcerer Lord is then in range on the natural roll of a six for the run to be mm-hmm. able to issue run and charge to the Splintered Fang who have to land a 12-inch charge, which means that they have to roll an 11 on the dice because they, you know, have plus one to charge from Slanesh. Okay. And it was like, if you can do all these things and then kill my hero, then you can get your battle tactic. Cool, cool, cool. And then so he first dice, right, rolls a six for the run. Okay. Spends the command point, you know. 
Oh no. Rolls the eleven and you just go. Oh god. What are you gonna do? Why? <laughs> Game three also continued the streak of my opponents rallying. Mm-hmm. I believe he got three chosen back in a single rally. Wow. Yeah. So I was sitting there and I'm like, why? Why, why, why? <laughs> why? Again, kind of the same problem as my second game. I really wasn't able to make effective use of both units of Storm Fiends at the same time. Because mm-hmm. the, what should be, you know, 12 Rend 3 shots at D3 plus 1 damage against Archeon should most games do enough to make his life very, very sad. Mm-hmm. Or get rid of the Chosen and then it's, you know, my whole army versus Archeon and then everybody scatter kind of thing. But I just wasn't able to get enough of the right things in the right place and right... That's the nature of not playing enough games. But, you know, alternatively, like, a number of us decided the funniest possible outcome to this was me not really practicing any of this and just going in cold. Mm-hmm. So I did, and it definitely hurt me in this game as well. Lost game three. All right. If that wasn't clear at this point. All right. So my game three was against Mitch and his Bone Reapers. First time I played them in the new book. He had Arkin. He had a Bone Shaper. And he had another Bone Shaper. And he had Soul Reaper. He had two units of three Stalkers, a unit of three Mortis Guard, and two units of two Archai. They are a pain in the butt. <laughs> and he had three endless spells. He had a Shrieker, a Predator, and a Carrion. They're all good. Yes, and a Carrion was particularly annoying. Mitch played really interesting games. So he basically formed a wedge because his one hero gave minus one to hit wound from shooting, which was... You know, for the list I have currently, wasn't a big deal. That didn't really bother me. But he formed this wedge, and he just moved it forward towards my objective and just kept moving it forward. There was one point where I had Durthu who had failed two six-inch charges, okay? Did you hear that? He failed both of them. And he was kind of stuck out there. But he was close enough that he could have got to him, and he didn't go after. He just was very focused and he wanted to get to my objective. I was just trying to figure out, you know, what is he trying to do? So Durthu then got in, killed three of the stalkers. Awesome. That's great. Something anyway. The other thing was this is the mission where you have those two side objectives where if you have a galley champ, you get the extra point. Well, I moved my branch witch who had tunnel master over to one of them and just kept her there for three turns. So I ended up with six points every turn and because I had gotten my tactic each turn. So I had 18 points after three turns, and he only had like eight. So I was really far ahead. I'm thinking, you know, I'm waiting for the inevitable because he was going to hit my lines. And I didn't realize what the stupid archive did. I didn't realize no commands. Oh, and I didn't realize that carrion basically meant that I could not control that objective with ones and twos, which was my unit of 20 dryads, and I had a unit of 10 dryads. It's meaningful. Oh, man. And it started getting really close because, you know, he got the objective, and there's nothing I could do. I literally, I couldn't issue commands. I was just kind of stuck there. You know, Dorothy kept moving around. Dreitschik kept trying to, you know, pick people off. I think I killed one or two of his... Archai, I think. And the other thing I did was, though, because he marched off of his own objective, I moved back to that objective, so I was able to get, you know, hole one, hole two, hole more pretty regularly. Although the other two disappeared, you know, so he had mine, I had his. Right, if you're up 18 to 8, all you have to do is score three points, and you've guaranteed yourself the win. Right. And as long as I get a tactic and I hold his objective, because he couldn't get back to I mean, he is slow enough that he couldn't get back there. It was just... 
strange, interesting. I just wasn't sure what his thoughts were, what he was trying to do, and kind of confused me a little bit. And I, I think I made some choices that I might not have made otherwise, but very effectively used his endless spells, very effectively used those archai. And now I know I got to get rid of them early. <laughs> and yeah, so it was a good game. A couple of other things. So he tried to use Curse of Years on Durthur three times, right? That's 30 dice, right? Yep. Out of 30 dice, he rolled one six, Brenton. Wow. I am not kidding you. It was the second time. That's rough. He rolled 10 dice, he rolled a six, and then he didn't roll a five or six. So 30 dice, he did one mortal wound with Curse of Years. Oh my gosh. And he just kept going, man. He wasn't going to quit. He just kept going with that thing. Oh, it was crazy, man. And then, you know, it was turn five. I'm like, here's the score, et cetera. He goes, I'm going to go for it. I'm going for it. You know, he just... He wanted to get it. So we played the whole thing through. But so I was two and one, looking good. Came back to the table. I heard Brendan was one and two. I'm going, okay, this is what it's like to live in an alternate universe. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> As I'm hardly ever used to you doing any less than two and one, usually three and oh on the first day. And I'm like, okay, well, that's the end of day one. Yeah. <laughs> but a good day rolling dice. Learned a lot about corn, a lot about OBR. So when I review the book, I'll at least have experience. And I ended up the next day playing another OBR army. That was just lovely. Then Saturday evening, we all had dinner around a campfire. It was just great sitting around. <laughs> and eat Chinese food. Yep. It was just so, so cool. It was like the night before, just hanging out with friends. And it was a big group of us. And it, you know, just everybody knew each other, has been playing together for a long time. And yeah, just a great, great evening Saturday. Brendan, day two. Yes, day two, game four. I got paired into a Thunder Lizards Seraphon. Oh, ouch. Which is probably one of if not the worst draw i could have pulled at the event wow the reducing damage by one is a small nightmare right because that's what my warp stone tokens are for in the shooting phase upping my damage by one and so really at that point all it's doing is sustaining the level of my glow wind launchers at being D3 damage instead of D3 minus one. Mm-hmm. So he had a Flan. He had a Scar Veteran on Carnosaur. He had an Engine. He had two Stegodons. He had two Laser Turtles. Mm. And then he had five of the Surus Guard to protect his Slan. Okay. And another game where I couldn't kill anything mm. despite having a million billion shots uh we're playing in the presence of idols he picked his slan and his two laser turtles i picked my two units of storm fiends and my arch warlock yes and i gave him the first turn he did gaining momentum killed my clan rats and i mean just barely oh. by like one damage oh. killed my clan rats <laughs> still there are 20 of them but his dice to start were terrible and i'm like Solid. All right. (laughs) Good stuff. I can do this. Yeah, sure. I go out and I send my bombardier to go get an objective to the left. And I go snag the objective to the right. I'm like, cool, hold one, hold two, hold more. You know, get my battle tactic. But in the shooting phase, I do almost nothing. Okay. Because I'm focus firing as much as I can on the laser turtles. Because those are the things that are going to do the damage, right? Right. They're eight or nine shots or whatever they are. Fours and threes, minus one, two damage. Yeah. That's going to be bad at some point. And I do like three damage to one of them. Oh. oh. 
And like it stays close through three turns, which I was quite pleased with. So he does cunning maneuver with his slan, hoping to go steal the objective that my bombardier is standing on. Okay. And he moves his engine over and gets close enough where I redeploy with my bombardier and I roll just high enough to basically go stand on the middle of the objective, which means that he can't bring his slan over to just cap it. He'd have to charge his slan in. Okay. Do that so he goes the other direction. Oh. Which puts him right in the firing line of one of my units of storm fiends. Yeah. Who properly eviscerate him, you know, at the bottom of two. And I'm like, cool, I got a chance here. Yeah. And I was like, if I can find a double here or like, you know, here two into three or, you know, maybe he's got a bad turn. Like, maybe I can swing this. Nope. Nope. So he continues his turn. He continues killing stuff. I continue firing back, and I charged in to his Stegadon with my Storm Fiends. I shouldn't have done that. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Then from there, it's just me trying to snag some points and do some stuff, because mm-hmm. he's got all my Galatian champions dead. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, there's my Grand Strat out the window. I end up in his territory, just kind of in a fist fight with a bunch of dinosaurs with my Storm Fiends. I end up getting tabled and, and lose. But, uh. yeah, the fact that, like, I couldn't be damaged too was... On the rattling guns is backbreaking. Like so much of this list does is precisely that. So yeah, just not enough. Not enough. At this point, I'm one in three. I have guaranteed and locked in at a minimum that I will not have a winning tournament for the first time ever in mm-hmm. Age of Sigmar. That's tough. That was rough. Was not, I was not happy about that. Yes, it was visually apparent. Yeah, <laughs> my fourth game was another OBR list. I played Dan and he had Catacros, Soul Mason, Bone Shaper. He had a unit of three or more discard, three uh, stalkers. He had five murder ponies. He had two units of Mortech Guard, a 20 and a 10. And of course he had our favorite, the Harvester. I started out by, once again, this is the third time, Brendan, in the weekend that I rolled a one on my Spite Swarm Hive. I thought, okay, so... Pretty good odds at that point. I did not get my plus three. So I'm like, well, you know, I need to get into something, though. I really do. I need to start taking something out. And I was thinking, "Ah, that big, juicy unit of 20 more tech card. Yes, I can do that. Not really understanding what the heck OBR can do now. And bad choice. Really bad choice for a lot of reasons. I should have gone after that unit of 10, which I... With Durthu, I had a pretty good chance of killing. I could have gone after his five murder ponies. I could have gone after the two units of three, either the stalkers or the guard. You know, any of those would have been viable targets for sure. Durthu, right? I would have started with the ponies because they're yeah. so critical to getting battle tactics in that yep. army. So anyway, I'm like, okay, still, I'm going to go for this. I picked a bad target to begin with. So I'm like, I can get this nine-inch charge. I can get this off. Put him nine inches away. Fails the nine. Spent the command point. Fails again. And I'm like, okay. If I just win priority, I can charge into these suckers. Of course, I don't win priority. Durthu's just sitting there. 20 more tech guard just swarm him. And Durthu's gone turn two. Uh, yeah. Bad news. Bad news for Dan. Another thing I did that was really dumb was he had Catacros uh, kind of in the back. You know, but his back objective, way in the back corner, was open to me. So I threw my tree revs back there, you know, to grab the objective and control it. But he had Catacross close enough, so it was five to five, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, it was five to two because Catacross isn't. Yeah, he's not a monster. Yeah, so he only counts as two. But I didn't realize that, so I'm like, okay, he needs reinforcement. I got to send something else in here to kick it over. So I put my ancient back there, 
Prendon. What an idiot. First of all, I didn't need to have him back there. That's me not knowing. And second of all, it was like there was a piece of terrain, like a corner of a piece of terrain. So instead of putting the ancient behind the tree revs, so if Catacross charged you with the tree revs, not the ancient, I put the put him next to the tree revs. And of course, Catacross charged the ancient and just kind of swept him off the board and just kind of pushed him aside like he wasn't really there. And it was, oh my God. So ancient was gone. Dirtha was gone. Dreitcha was engaged with the ponies. She was doing work. She got him down to two. And of course, let's bring some ponies back. <laughs> so the whole game just was totally out of control from turn one for me. And bad target choice, bad positioning. I think I would have had a chance, again, you know, if I would have gotten that Dirtha charge off and picked the right targets. The other thing I think I should have done, to your point, was I should have put both the Tree Lord Ancient and Drycha on those five ponies. Because they definitely, together with their shooting, could have taken those five ponies off. But, you know, hindsight, yeah? And it was just ugly. It was really, really an ugly game. It was the ugliest game of the weekend for me. So, well done, Dan. And you and your OBR. And I was two and two at that point. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So, Brendan, let's talk about your heroic recovery. Sure. In, yeah. In really, game five. Really heroically recovering. <laughs> yeah. So game five ended up actually being a super rewarding game. Not because I won it, but the uh, the guy I played, Robert, he was playing Night Haunt, and it was an opportunity afforded to me where over the course of the game, I could politely point out some things that he was missing from his rules, mm-hmm. where he was under the impression he couldn't stack the Night Haunt charge buffs. In oh, the no. sense of, like, you, you can, can get, like, extra rend and extra minuses to hit on the same unit. Mm-hmm. You could do extra fights last if you wanted to for some reason, but he thought you could only get one of each. No, man, like, you can get more of them. You know, I have, obviously, a lot of familiarity with the modern Night Haunt book, because it's what I took to ATC last year. And, mm-hmm. you know, as we're playing, you know, I'm just like, hey, you know, like, this character can do this, and... And so over the course of the game, he's wow. He's like, I've been missing a, a solid chunk of my rules. He goes, this book is great. And, you know, in my mind, winning a game in which, you know, like your opponent isn't using all their rules, to me, feels very hollow, right? Sure. You know, like it's one thing if they played it right. Mm-hmm. That's its own decision. But, right. you know, if you had a full understanding of what your army could do and you chose to do something else, it's, yeah. it's its own thing. But, Understood. you know, just kind of, if I had just kind of let him play without all of that stuff and me knowing that he can have more, that wouldn't have felt right. No, absolutely. In any case, he was playing Night Haunts. He was playing the Quicksilver Dead. So he had Alrek. He had a Cairnwraith who had the hatred for the living. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, and the Slitter <laughs> artifact. He had a Guardian. He had a Spirit Torment. He had a Cruciator. He had six heroes. Yeah, he had a full complement of heroes. He had two units of 20 Chainrass. He had two units of 10 Herodons. And that was, and Life Storm. And that was it. That was his list. Wow. He might have had two Guardians. But, like, all right. But this is the mission where Galatian champions are the trump card. Yes. If you have Galatian champions there, they beat, you know, non-Galatian champions. Yes. He's got six, I got three. Oh, and he has a bunch of spirit hosts, too. Okay. Two units of three. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, cool, he's not going to let me shoot the heroes. That would be crazy stupid for him to do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so I got to get the units. So if I mm-hmm. get the units, then I can get the heroes. Yeah, yeah. And so I load up my Storm Fiends, send them out just breeze through the first 20 chain rats, leaving him with like three. Yeah. And then he rallies and 
brings models back and casts spells, and then it's like back to eleven, and I'm like, why is this happening to me? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Will someone please just roll a normal rally? Oh, we could. But. He learned the power of a storm fiend, unleash hell. He charges an Alrek, and I shoot Alrek off the board. He gets a bunch of units into my storm fiends, and I'm bogged down for just a bunch of this. Mm. And the spirit torments is handing out the reducing, you know, incoming damage by one, which is such a bummer because storm fiends in combat mm-hmm. are damage two. And like, even though they don't have Ren, they don't have a ton of attacks. The fact that they're damage two is usually enough to like make them punchy enough to take through whatever they're mm. in front of. And so I've got my bombardier kind of out on his own, you know, grabbing the other objective. And it's, it's close. It's back and forth. Like, I'm just chipping away through these units just slowly, 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 slowly. I'm just very creative with my movements. And it gets, like, right to the end. And I managed to get my storm fiends on the right cleared up of everything. And he made a set of decisions that I didn't think were especially good in that like the Galatian champions are the trump cards. And he's yes. got like three or four of them still like here in round four. Okay. He can go on to these other objectives and they belong to him. And he just walked away from some of them. Wow. Gave control over to me. So I'm like, okay, cool. Well, he's not coming back. So I teleport my Storm Fiends to the other side. I blow up some of the Haridans, and we're basically out of time. And I was like, all right, let's roll off for five, and you're like, we'll talk about you know what this is. Mm-hmm. And so he could potentially still get his Grand Strat, and I can still potentially get my Grand Strat. I was like, okay, well, so priority really matters here. And so we roll for priority. I win it. I manage to kill off the last of his Galatian champions, oh. and in the process, end up tabling him, meaning that obviously he can't score his, and I can score mine, and yes. I end up winning by like four or five points. Whoa! But it, it was super close. It was a super fun game that we had. He had the chance to beat me. I think if he made his decisions a little bit better, especially in the closing moments of that game, that I wouldn't have been able to have salvaged it. Okay. It was really good. Him and I got along great. You know, him and I had a really cool discussion at the end of the game. Well, and it started at the start of it because, you know, he asked how the tournament treating you, and I'm like, it's not going good for me. He's like, oh, well, you know, Skaven's pretty cool. He's like, it's my least favorite army. I hate it. (laughs) And so he kind of looks at me sideways Uh, and goes, then why are you playing it? And you could explain your story. Yeah. And, and I explained it, you know, and, and he thought that was super cool. And we had just a, a really chill game, and I got to help him out with his rules. And for me, that was a great way to end the weekend. Great stuff. I got my second win. Okay. Which awesome. usually happens several games earlier, but... <laughs> So my game five was against Joel. He had Night Haunt, speaking of which, and he had Scarlet Doom. He had Lord Executioner, two Spirit Torments, a Cruciator, and a Guardian. He had four units of Blade guys. He had three units of 10 and one unit of 20, a unit of 10 Chain Rass, and a unit of three Spirit Hosts, and then four Banshees. So that was his list. Man, those revenants were insane, as you can imagine. Blade guys are good. They are very good. Target selection had to be an issue for me. And of course, once again, I picked the wrong target and I went after the easy target. I went after the Chain Rass and of course tore them off the board. Stupid, I should have gone for one of the units of 10 Blade Geist because I could have taken that unit out because I only need to do 10 wounds, which Durthu needed to get, you know, 10 through. But it's not just his sword, but he's also got his talons that do three apiece if he gets those through. I kind of slowed him down a little bit and I forced him to actually move around the center because he was coming straight 
straight at me. And what I did was he had his unit of 20, a unit of 10 blade guys on on my left-hand side, and he had two units of 10 on the right-hand side. So I was looking at that and going, you know, if I can get into and take out those two units of 10 because the, the army was really split pretty wide, I could end up taking that side of the board. And I could end up kind of revolving around like, my war song and you know, my base of three trees was there, but I could just move him right away and move him to the back because what had happened was one objective, I moved my branch witch again using Tunnel Master. I got her over to that objective and was able to take it because she was a galley vet, right? Mm-hmm. I used her to throw Verdant Blessing and I threw a tree way back by his back objective. And that worked great because Durthu then got into those Mirmorns, which were just sitting there holding the objective, got rid of them. And so I had that objective, I had the other side objective. So it was still pretty close. I had Dreitcha come over and she laid into one of those units of 10 blade guys. Not only did she shoot them, but she was able to get the charge off. And I took out one of those units of 10. I had one more left. Durthu was back there. I got the second unit of 10 gone. And there was all kinds of movement over there. But the point is that I had that side of the board and I had those objectives. But I missed one of my battle traits really early. Mm-hmm. So it put me behind enough. And he was hitting every one of his. He got those two units, the 10 and the 20 of the Blade guys, down into my objective and Killed off the Ancient, killed off my unit of 20 and my unit of 10 Dryads. Just everything was gone, right? So I basically evacuated my base and I set up a new one back on his end of the board. (laughs) Just flipped the whole board, right? It was turn four, so he didn't have enough time to get back to the other side of the board. But I was behind by like four or five points. And it was just too late. Yeah. And so overall, it was a good game, except for that initial bad target selection. If I had made one other choice, I think I'd been a lot closer. Yeah. And you know, again, with that unit of 20, you only got to get one of them in to contact to get your 20 dice rolled you know for your five ups you don't have to get the whole unit in it's not and that's where you get it was the mortal wounds and he just smoked that tree lord ancient because i have no wards in my army so he played a really good game i although i'll tell you when i got both those units at 10 i could tell he was a little bit nervous he was trying to figure out what to do with that side of the board right but it went back and forth it was very good yeah so i ended up two and three which was pretty cool and came back and go Brennan and I did the same. That was crazy. We had the same record, yeah. That was really, like I said, alternative universes, because that's exactly what that is to me. That's just so weird. One of the things that... we're gonna do, do you have any final thoughts? Let's go to that from your perspective on the weekend. I'm so glad I'm done. With Skaven. With Skaven. Okay. I'll finish painting and whatever, but there's a photo our friends took. They captioned it, and it is it's... me after game four with my head on my water bottle, my hood up. I'm a broken man at that moment in time. I hate this army. Not just specifically what I played. I hate this book. I hate them in the lore. It's stupid. Um, (laughs) I'm glad I'm done. Yeah. This is ridiculous. This gotta be tough. The event was fine. I enjoyed the event. I think they ran a good event. I hated my stuff. And that was kind of the point. I won one of the Seraphon boxes. So that was cool. That was great. I got my Seraphon book. Awesome. Nice. So to answer that question, are we going to get our Seraphon book in time for the episode? Yeah, we will. I will. You will. Yeah. <laughs> Whether Dan will or I will, because I'm going to rely on Warp Storm. They'll take care of me. Okay. They'll get me my book in time. Overall, I had a great time. Man, the social piece, of course, as usual with Dan, it's so it important to me. 
And it was so great. And, and it wasn't just Friday and Saturday night. It was at lunch, you know, both days. It was just hanging out between games and seeing people and talking about stuff and just having that close group of people that you knew is a real comfort zone thing. In terms of my army, I think I played Dirthu right. I really do. After five or six games before this and then five in, I don't think there's anything with maybe one exception during the tournament that I did wrong with Dirthu. It was just... It's a dice game. And if three times I'm missing that plus three to charge, that takes him out for a turn. And that's significant when he... It's not great. Yeah, he's your one really big hit piece that does the damage in your army. I was able to combine, you know, Dreicha and the Tree Lord in a couple of occasions to get all the damage I could out of them. But overall, I just got to figure out something else with where we are in the game right now. Mm -hmm. And we talked about a little earlier that there are just so many ways to decrease everything. You know, make it harder to hit, to wound, to rend, to damage, all those things. And with Durthu relying, even with the Gladius, on average, you're going to get five or six attacks. Man, if you only get... Even if you're at threes and twos or something, you only get three of those through. 18 damage seems like a lot, but when people have five up wards and people are getting models back and, you know, it's not a lot. You have to be very selective in the units you pick for him. And again, everything has to go. You you know, I missed those two six-inch charges. Like, what are you going to do, right? Yeah, because your opponent's <laughs> not going to actively choose to engage with that model unless they think they can defeat it. Right. You know, and the Bloodthirster, you know, losing Ground Shaker. That's a pretty big deal because I didn't want to go in for a second helping of that. <laughs> There's no way, man. Not if you could avoid it. Right. Overall, I was happy on playing Sylvaneth. I love the mobility. It was so great to move stuff all over the board. Especially that last game, it kind of hit me when I just totally displaced my army to a whole nother part of the board. And like, that was my base now. It's like I had started there the whole game, right? It was really fun. Yeah. (laughs) This is my part of the board. And it was really cool. The way I used trees, I thought was really good. I'm telling you, it is so useful, Brennan, having that tree anywhere from that ancient. It costs a lot to have him be able to do that. But that made a huge difference in making sure I could utilize Durthu the correct way. Because you can put that tree anywhere and set up an attack that you want, where you want it, when you want it. It's going to be hard if I adjust my list not to take something like that. And I did, by the way, I think I mentioned it a few times during the weekend, I did use spites quite effectively in taking stuff out, and it worked really well. I probably killed three or four galley champs with it during the weekend, nice, which is really cool. So that was a really good learning experience. But other than that, I think that's it, man. Just a great, great weekend. Thank you all for being there, hanging out. Thank you to Nick and Sean again for running that for us. Nick and Sean and Sean. And Sean, yeah. Other Sean. Thank you. All right. Let us move on, Brendan, to the next part of the show, which is Scriptorium. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. New releases. There's only one new release. Stormcaller. It is a story about y'all Stormcaller, who is the chief rune priest, because they don't have librarians. Yeah, they're... Of the Space Wolves. They're different. They're druid kind of guys, you know? They they don't use the warp. They definitely don't use the warp. They do not use the warp. So this is a story about Njal Stormcaller. It's a great book. He was a big favorite of mine when I played Space Wolves, so... That is it, though, Brendan, for new releases, man. Everything else is just sitting out there. How about you? I've not participated in anything new. Okay. 
All right. I'm listening to and watching the same things I did last episode, which we recorded a week ago. So Yeah, right. It's, it hasn't it's been not, very it's long. not much has happened. Go listen to the Slanesh episode. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, that's for me. Sure. Okay. Again, trying to set the land speed record for an episode. Yeah. Finally. Freaking finally. I got my end of the death print copy. Mm-hmm. So I looked everywhere. I looked freaking everywhere. I went to Barnes and Noble, Amazon, all these other second second tier booksellers and stuff. Nobody had a copy. So my friend Andrew knew I was in desperate straits and he goes, Dan, I'm gonna send you a link to eBay. He goes, You're gonna pay a premium, but you're gonna get your book. So the book arrived yesterday, May first. I am hundred and twenty pages into it. Yes, already. And I'm going to have to back off because I want to try to make this last for more than like four days. Having a great time with this book, Brendan. So awesome. Oh, Some... Good. You can finally catch up to me. Oh, to man. We it. can. Yes. We talked a little bit about it at dinner tonight. Really good stuff. Uh, some of the story mechanics, subplots, things like that that are going on are so interesting. And just like Dan Abnett, you know, he's got like 20 things in the air at the same time. He's just telling so many it's stories. A complicated book. Oh, so much stuff. And I was really vindicated because one of the legions I was hoping, based on rumors, was in there, is in there. And that's really cool. Of course, John Grammaticus has been in almost every book. So he is in here. That's no big spoiler, which is awesome as a character. And that is cool because my listen, Legion, is weird because I'm listening to the first book he was ever really in and now I'm reading the book that he's in almost the last siege book and he's still there crazy stuff I did start the lion arcs of omen book and whoa it is really good all kinds of stuff happening the redemption I'm hoping for the lion at least in my perspective looks like it's going to come to pass there's some other Space Marine chapters that are very heavily involved in this and coming to the aid of the Dark Angels. And it's all really good. Very, very good. I'm not going to give anything away at this point, but I've only read about five or six pages, but already it's very engaging. Wow. Very, very cool. And then watching stuff, just been watching baseball, really. That's about it. It's that time of year. It is. Brewers are still doing okay. Brendan, Tampa Bay is almost playing 800 ball. That is just unheard of. That is crazy. You told me that there's no way someone can win 120 games. Yep. I still don't think they're going to do it, but we'll see. They're well on their way, that's for sure. Yep. So that's it for me. Pretty quick, once again. I think we're going to make it. I think we're going to cross the finish line early. It's on to this or that. This is that time, my friend. All right. I'm going first. Alrighty. All right. Promise to not ask you any questions that you do not potentially know the answer to. Oh, okay. Oh, like last time with the baseball. Like, yeah, well, like what you asked me last time. Oh, okay. I, <laughs> I have chosen to not escalate this blood feud. Yes. <laughs> yes, let's just put this behind I us. I hope you accept my offering of peace. Let's be the better men. Yeah. I, that's my response. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> Start in the order of, you know, just kind of the All way right. that it works through on the show. All right. The Maw Grunta. We have been asking for, as a community, Mega Boss on Pig for a long <laughs> yes. time. Yes. What is the next addition that you'd like to see to any army in Age of Sigmar. You know, kind of that piece that's just missing from an army somewhere. <sighs> what is the next model or unit that you'd like to see that some army get? Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. I would like to see Nighthaunt get a monster. 
Okay. I think that would be good. Yeah, I really do in their book. The fact that a coach is still not a monster or something like that with you know, it's kind of a travesty to me. So yeah, I think that would be my quest. Now I know you're probably not gonna play old world necessarily. I don't think that's No, that's that's not gonna be my thing. Are you more excited to see the return of Bretonians or Tomb Kings? Oh Bretonians. I always liked the feud that went on between the Wood Elves and the Bretonians. You know, they were right up on the border of mm-hmm. Bretonia, and there were so many stories about Bretonians trying to go into the woods, and it just was really cool. So I have more interest in them. I never really have had an interest in the Tomb Kings. Even when I read so many old world books, you know, the lore and stuff, I never really had an interest in them. I, I don't know why. I just Fair didn't enough. seem, yeah. Okay. You've now gotten to play... Two very different corn armies out of the new book. Mm-hmm. What has been your favorite part of the new corn book so far? I think the blood tithe, because Dave and then Travis really used them very effectively. Of course, if you're an opponent, it's annoying as heck. You know, just see what they can do. But I think it's a really neat set of rules. I really like it. And so for me, that's the highlight of the book, honestly. Okay. Waffles or Chinese food? Oh, Chinese food all day. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my last question. That's a good one. If you could be a naval officer in any era before your service, when would you choose to serve and why? It doesn't have to be the United States either. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that would have limited it pretty significantly. I think it would have been an interesting time between the end of the Revolution and the Barbary Coast Wars. I think it would have been a neat time to be an American naval officer on board ships like the Constitution and ships like that. Mm -hmm. Just, I think it would have been fascinating to be a part of the U.S. Navy as the country grew and you were actually a part of that growth. You were a part of power projection for your country. You were actually doing something worthwhile. You know, suppressing the Barbary Pirates was something that needed to be done. And the fact that Jefferson and you know, the American administration was willing to commit forces. I just think of the stories that I hear too. One of the of, very rare times in US history prior to effectively, right, World War One, where yeah. the United States engaged in foreign affairs. Mm-hmm. It really was, yeah. So I think that would have been fascinating and to travel to those other countries as a young American that you never had had that chance before. I think that would have been a neat opportunity. All right. Well, those are my five. All right, buddy. So some Sigmar questions. So I'm going to start out with kind of a big Sigmar question. I know this is like can be a lot of things, but what do you think is the most broken rule in AOS right now? Oh, boy. And there may be multiple ones than big. Singular one rule? Yeah, one thing that one book does or something, you know, in the general's handbook or whatever it is in this this edition of... If we'll get down to singular one rule, okay. I'll pick murder lust. Okay. You think that's pretty nuts? It's bent. Agreed. So for those of you who don't know, that's one blood tithe at the end of the hero phase. Yes. Three units can move D6 inches that are outside of three inches of enemy units. It's pretty nuts. And you can end that move within three inches of an enemy unit. Yep. And you can do that in their he- hero phase Theirs, or yours. yours. Yep. yep. One blood tithe. Nothing. That's it's nuts. Pretty nuts. You got to go back to a tournament soon. Okay. Would you rather see Blades of Corn or OBR across the board from you? OBR. I think Corn's the better book right now. All right. Fair enough. 
You're never going to play Skaven again. You made that very clear to us just a few moments ago. Never's a long time, but boy, you'd really, <laughs> something really odd would need to happen. So if you did, if, big, huge, giant, room size if, would you play Storm Fiends or would you put together a list that had Abominations and Ogres in it? Probably Abominations and Ogres. I already did the Storm Fiend thing. It, okay. It's gone. It's done. Yeah. Yeah, All right. Ogre. You tick that box. Maybe I'll put them on squares and play them in the old world. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Fair. I can relegate them to a place I don't have to think much about them. So speaking of Chinese food. Okay. Chicken fried rice or veggie fried rice? Chicken fried rice. Okay. Just that tiny bit of protein is helpful. I I think fried rice needs a protein. Okay. Now... Uh, the NBA playoffs have progressed, mm-hmm. and I'm going to ask the question, who do you think, if these two teams made it to the finals, would win, the Nuggets or the Heat? Give me the Nuggets. Okay. I'm really surprised that the Heat is still doing as well as they are. I, uh, that's here's, just me as a non-NBA person looking and seeing. Here's my new rooting interest. Okay. I want the Heat to go as far as possible. Okay. And then I want them to lose in um, unbearably devastating fashion that hurts. After what they did to them? I don't want it to go Punishment. quietly. I want the hope and expectation to be built up, and I want it snatched away. <laughs> okay. At the 11th hour. Fair enough. I'll take a game seven overtime uh, where the good. Nuggets win on a very controversial <laughs> basket. I want it to hurt. Okay. All right. Fair enough. You may get your wish, though. I don't know. We'll see. That's it. That's five? Man. All right. Unbelievable. So, what a show close then. Woo! There is something going on around here. Something you may not even know about. So no Sunday announcements because it's Tuesday. Tuesday. And any Q&A for you? Yes. From the group that I ask a question to before every recording, I ask, who wants to do Q&A this week? (laughs) Um, So the question we got from the collective is, at Rubicon, what armies other than your own would you have wanted to play? So basically picking someone else's army. Mine's easy. This is the thing that really made the Skaven requirement for me hurt even more. Mm. Was because OBR, as many people know, is my favorite. Yes, it is. I love this book. Yes. I think some of the stuff is a little overcosted. I feel like most OBR lists are missing a unit. Okay. So I, I think they're off by about 10%. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. Very fixable. I would have loved to have been playing Dan Nitz's army. Oh, yeah. Your round four opponent. Yep. It's very similar to the kind of armies I really enjoy playing. It had Catacross. Uh, you like him? It had I don't know that I would have been running something much dissimilar to what he was taking. Okay. You know, Maybe Fair. I would have tried some crazy OBR list, but you know, the reality is I probably would have taken something that is more traditional. Okay. So I had a Q&A from Tori, and she asked, Dan, if you were going to start another army, what would it be? And then she put, like in parentheses in the email, she goes, I know you have a two-army limit. (laughs) At this point, I mean, I've looked at the new Vamper book, Mm -hmm. and there is just some... And of course, I just sold my Vamper army. I was just going to say, like... Oh my God, timing just is everything in life. So I looked at some of the stuff. We're going to talk about the book, obviously, but... There's just some really fun stuff. The fact that each dynasty has its own set of heroic actions, you know, just some other stuff and the way it's formatted. There's just some really cool stuff for Virkos, and that is my faction, you know. I've talked about having a, you know, Radicar the Beast and a bunch of wolves list. Well, yeah, but there's other stuff. The fact that you can give a five-up ward to 60 zombies or 30 skeletons or 30 freaking wolves 
and you can. Yep. It's pretty easy to do. There's a couple ways to do it. It's tough to get them all fitting in the bubble, but but you can do it. And that's yeah. just that's scary to think about. <laughs> Having to look at that across the board and go, what am I going to do about that? It's pretty cool. So the answer, Tori, is I would start a vampire's army if I was going to do that. But I'm pretty committed to Sylvaneth through the year, through the fall. Going to stay with that. Yeah, take it to Meltdown. Yep. And Dragonfall and see where we go. Sure. All good. All right. Episode 122. Now, I want to say, listeners, that Brendan and I have a fair amount of personal commitments that we need to deal with. That's why we're recording so early. Yeah. (laughs) We just posted Slanesh yesterday. Actually, at, at time of recording. Yes. But you'll be listening to this two weeks from now. Yeah, right. Time is a flat circle. It kind of is. We're going to post this in the middle of May, so it'll be two weeks between episodes. Probably, I think, Brendan, maybe sometime between the middle of May and Memorial Day. You know, again, we both got personal commitments. I have a lot of stuff. Yeah. Up. We'll maybe get one of the other books. It's not quite fall 22, but yeah. But. <laughs> recorded. That'll be posted probably late Late May, early June. Early June. Yeah, so we're still going to try to keep that commitment of two to three weeks between episodes. And we're going to be able to do that. We're just recording weird because of, again, personal commitments that we have that we need to meet those before we play with our war dollies, as you yep. put it. You know, that's just the way that goes. The question then is, what are we going to do, OBR or Vampers? Man, up to you. Having played two OBR armies, I would like to review that book first. You got it, man. As much as I want to do Vampers, because having read through it, I'm very excited about things. I want to go through this and just really look at because I haven't looked at the book. I've just played against it, which has been frightening. I'm a professional Bone Reaper book reviewer at this point. Yes, of course. Oh, yeah. You've done it like, what, three shows? This will be the third book review. Fourth show I'm on where we're showcasing Bone Reapers. Right, if you'd really like to get my thoughts on the Bone Reaper book prior to that episode, <laughs> you can go listen to the Mortal Realms podcast, or yep. sorry, the Combat Phase podcast with Kenny Lull. You can go listen to Warhammer Weekly with Vince Ventrella and our good friend Tyler Emerson. Yep. You can go watch the episode of the Dias Cast where I play Osiric Bone Reapers versus Soulblind yeah. Gravelords, or you can wait for our review of Osiric Bone Reapers. <laughs> Sometime in late May to early June. All right, man. That's it. Yep. See you on the other side here, boss. So we nailed it. Awesome. Speed of light, man. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. For being here so quickly after a long weekend. Tired. Not quite Adepticon exhausted, Uh, but yeah. Tired in another way. Yeah, Yeah, tired. Yeah. And of course, listeners, as always, thank you very much. Everybody stay safe, stay healthy, and don't forget shenanigans because life is better when you are up to something. Bye. This is the Yeah.